Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 24, Status Woe edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. I'm Philip Matthew, and I'm with my co-host, Josh Fine. What's going on, man? Hey, I'm doing good, Phil. We had a lot of racing this weekend, and it was um, very unexpected finishes in really a lot of the series, to be honest with you. Absolutely. I mean... Uh, the status quo happened in 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 a weird way in one particular race, but uh, the it definitely didn't fit the mold in most of the other big races that we had uh, this past weekend. You talk about the Italian Grand Prix, which we're going to spend some good time on. Pierre Gasly winning his first Formula One race for AlphaTauri. Um, 12 years after Sebastian Vettel won for that organization in the Toro Rosso guys, won pole and won the race in, in that, and which was one of the youngest podiums ever as well. So two times that this organization, which used to be a minority way back when, have won, have been two of the three youngest podiums in the history of formula one so hey we'll talk about that we'll talk about f2 and the dramatic uh championship uh coming up here this weekend they're gonna have the decider as well as f3 with logan Sargent, who had an opportunity to make points and uh wasn't able to we'll get into that we'll talk about kevin harvick winning his eighth race of 2020 and his 57th career win second Darlington Southern 500 uh, probably shouldn't have been Kevin Harvick, but Hey, there's a reason why he is one of the best. Uh, he went out there and won it when uh, other people went and uh, stepped on it. Brockshot Jones winning in a Robert Huffman throwback. Uh, we're going to get into that in more detail. Uh, ben Rhodes going and winning the truck series race over Derek Krause. Uh, what was a GMS benefit, but a Thor Sport truck wins. We'll go into the U.S. Nationals results. Took place on Sunday. It was weird instead of being on Monday. And then we'll get into the roundup discussing uh, V8 Supercars, World Superbikes, DTM, uh, of course, IMSA, and uh, previews going into all the races we'll have this weekend plenty to take in along with we'll give you a little bit of nfl here on the way out as well uh, both of our teams uh fresh start 2020 new year new opportunity for our both of our teams uh we're on opposite sides of the ladder i would say in terms of what our expectations are but we'll give you that in terms of football uh, along with the uh, previews for Mugello, for Richmond, Mid-Ohio, two IndyCar races, Mid-Ohio, Misano, the um, Marco Simoncelli circuit, uh, DTM at Nürburgring, and Super GT at Motegi. Uh, first, though, Josh, uh, we talked about it here just a minute ago, but Pierre Gasly won the Italian Grand Prix. Now, if either of us had bet Pierre Gasly for at least a, you know, I don't know, ten bucks, twenty bucks, I don't know, some some sort of amount of money. I know you're you're the guy that hits picks, but 
if you had put some money on Pierre Gasly, I don't think you'd be sitting here doing the GSP with me anymore. Um, to to say that this is shocking is an understatement. It's the first win for a French driver since Olivier Panis in the 1996 Monaco Grand Prix in the uh, Benetton 1995 Benetton clone that was the uh, Liger. Uh, in 1996 but man there was a lot that went on in that race on Sunday but Pierre Gasly Carlos Sainz Lance Stroll if there was a way to parlay that you'd be a multi-millionaire I'll tell you that was some race yeah, I think think if you could have gotten those right with uh, the right amount of money, you could probably you know retire today and yeah. live the rest of your life uh, on that money. Probably um, if you if you spend wisely, of course. But yeah, I mean, I think I would have probably picked Carlos Sainz to win that race um, over Pierre Gasly. Like if I had picked uh, a winner before that race, and if I had to choose between those uh, one of those two drivers. But yeah, definitely a very shocking result because I think we all expected that it would just be another Lewis Hamilton beatdown as the 2020 season has become this year for Formula One. But Lewis goes uh, makes a pit stop when the safety car comes out, and not just a, a, a virtual safety car, which has kind of been the norm in recent years in Formula One, but an actual safety car where the pace car, the safety car, as they call it in Formula One, and in other uh, series, they actually went out on the track. But regardless of that, he pitted when the pits were closed, and then that caused him to get a penalty, which at first he disagreed with, I think, but you know, after they talked with the officials uh, during the red flag with Charles Leclerc's crash, I think he agreed with the penalty, and then he uh, took a 10-second penalty and was only able to make it back up to 7th and ended up finishing 17 seconds back from the lead. And that allowed Pierre Gasly to run away. Well, not quite run away with the victory. He, had, he did have a challenge from Carlos Sainz on the last lap there, but he was able to uh, use the advantages with uh, the DRS, and also he had a, a lot of uh, power that was available to him, and he just had a, a lot of good acceleration, I think, and uh, a lot of good grip to uh, coming off corner exit and accelerating off those uh, corners around uh, around Monza. And there wasn't really going to be a chance for Carlos Sainz, except for maybe in uh, the parabolic curve there at the end. But he was just a little too far away to maybe get into a slipstream there. But, yeah, it, it was a very ju- just a shocking win for that team, especially for him because – he was at Red Bull and got demoted down to the junior team. And now I think for him to win this probably puts him back in conversation uh, over at Red Bull. Uh, if they decide uh, who their second driver is going to be behind Max Verstappen definitely has a, a uh, I guess like a, a bow in his, or yeah, definitely an arrow in his quill, I think for yeah. him to get a seat there because with a win like that and to be able to hold off uh, Carlos Sainz like that at the very end, that's, you know, it takes a lot of skill, a lot of driving. And, you know, for what we talked about with Alex Albon, you know, I think Pierre Gasly might have a, a case to make for himself and he couldn't win back his seat or he could 
uh, get a, another ride somewhere else if that doesn't have the case. And then, but it's a good thing on his resume. And I think for the regular title contenders for uh, Max Verstappen, this is a missed opportunity. Didn't score any points. Lewis Hamilton makes a rare mistake in his team, and he uh, doesn't. You know, he loses spot in the championship and doesn't make up any points. Where if he had been able to contend and maybe even get the victory or at least finish in the podium, he would have maybe taken out a little bit of a chunk out of uh, Lewis Hamilton's lead. And the same thing goes for Valtteri Bottas. He only yeah. gained three points and definitely not what he needed. And he probably should have been able to finish a little bit higher. And I think the start there at the very beginning of that race, uh, I think, really hurt him he just wasn't able to get going throughout that first lap and just lost a lot of positions and just got stuck in traffic and I think and just couldn't um, make his way back up there to the front um, at the end of that race yeah the I think that's something that we have to go and and get into in more detail and probably would have to do in another episode the the performance of of Valtteri Botas. I mean, he completely dick stepped, uh, on the original start the same way as Stroll did, um, which isn't shocking with Lance Stroll because, you know, he sucks, but I mean, Valtteri Botas actually has talent and the way he's driven this year, you'd wonder that if he has talent, uh, it's been questioned, you know, during this this whole entire deal. He's run four years for for this for Mercedes, and 17. It was a very late deal that he ended up getting this opportunity. Okay, fine. I think uh, 18 or there, there's he's had his issues with performance on and off uh, since becoming Lewis Hamilton's teammate. Um, 2018 was a throwaway year. Yeah, and in 17, he won three races. 18 was a nightmare. 19, he competed, and he was going after that championship, but he wasn't anywhere near as good as uh, Lewis. And this year uh, has been a nightmare. And he will have another opportunity next year in 2021. But uh, I would venture to say that by 2022, he will not be in a uh, Mercedes. I would I would say that George Russell would be in that second car, whether Lewis is in the first car or not. To be determined, but I don't think after five years in the main team, you know, a couple of. Uh, second place finishes in the world championship drivers championship uh that would be around but you know i mean to that that race uh, the first part of the race was definitely uh it was a lewis hamilton benefit but the weekend was a lewis hamilton benefit he beat botas in qualifying and he dominated. And but if you're looking at the race behind Lewis Hamilton, it was very interesting. Carlos Sainz gets a great start. Lando gets a great start. You know, Daniel Ricardo, uh, you know, the the tracing points. There was actually intrigue from second on back. Max Verstappen been the start too with 
with Valtteri Botas and then Max Verstappen and Mechanical, which in the grand scheme of things has has actually made the World Championship I mean, in the end, Lewis having that mistake, which, I mean, you have to, it's a 50-50 deal. Lewis went and drove in. He thought it was an open pit. Uh, you have those engineers, and you have engineers sitting in, in, um, in Woking to go and see what's going on. You have live data, and that you don't see the safety car and see closed pits. We've seen that in here in NASCAR and IndyCar, you know, closed pits. I mean, IndyCar, it's more deliberate, but if you get in at the right time, you go and sneak through like Tony's last win at, at Snoroma, but it was really bad for Lewis. It was a thrown away opportunity for him to get number 90, I mean, heck, the Formula One PR, whoever was managing the little screens, they were foreshadowing it on Saturday uh, that he was getting at number 90, and I think that was the reason why it didn't work out for him. But, uh, I mean, I guess in the end, if he had won, it wouldn't have been anywhere near as interesting. Uh, Pierre Gasly, as you said, you know, to go and get dropped by Red Bull and then win for the junior team and now um, be in a position where he's only, you know, when you look at in terms of points, he is at 40, what is it? He's at 40, he's only five points behind Alexander Albon right now. Um, It's crazy to think. And his good friend, and he's friends with, with, Albon, he's friends with Charles Leclerc, who hit the fence and basically led this, what ended up happening. It started with Kevin Magnuson uh, stopping right in front of the pit road. Then it, then after that, it was, uh, you know, uh, it was uh, Charles Leclerc going and fencing it, coming out of the parabolica which led to Pierre Gasly's um, win, uh, held back Carlos Sainz, who was up there on merit and uh, wasn't able to make it happen because of how the lineup happened after post or restart, because they had a second start itself. And uh, Lance Stroll went and dick-stepped himself on that start, allowed both alphas to go by, um, which kind of cost him an opportunity, which would have made me probably, uh, why puke and possibly, um, do harm to myself. Cause if Lance Stroll had won a formula one race, I probably would have started running and I would have tried to become a formula one racer at age 35 because it would have proved a point that literally, um, anybody could uh, win a Formula One. I mean, it's that's a bit harsh even for Lance Stroll, but uh, that's where we were going. So I was glad he he went and stepped himself and 
Uh, Pierre Gasly, who's gone through so much. Um, his best friend, Antoine Hubert, uh, passed away at Spa just over a year ago. Um, all these things, because his house gets nailed. Uh, people go and take stuff out of his house. I mean, he's had a really brutal time. Red Bull and their stupidity, the way things work at Red Bull, um, getting demoted. Um, a friend, what is his name? Marco, um, one-eyed Marco, goes and says, we're probably going to keep him there. Uh, because we want his veteran leadership. And I'm like, well, hey, for once, Red Bull actually makes a good decision. They're going to go and keep Gasly there because Yuki Sonoda is probably going to be moving up in 2021 into the um, Alpha Tori team. And we will uh, see that for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, definitely... Uh, some interesting events during the uh, weekend, not just the uh, F1 race, which ended up being one of the most interesting races that has ever happened, uh, frankly. Uh, but you could also consider, was it worst case scenario? Help, Gasly. Oh, look at that. Danny Kvyat's mad about it because he's, he's about to go and get fired. Look at that. It says a safety car and a red flag. The worst case and help Pierre Gasly. Nine to his teammates. Towards. Oh, so he's butthurt. Look at that. Because he knows, because he know Kvyat knows it's going to end up uh, costing him a ride. So, hey. Yeah. Come on. Be a good teammate. Yeah. Well, I mean, he is, a, he is the, what, what do they call him? The, I forget what they call him. The, um. The uh, who was it? Uh, Danny Kvyat is the Russian rocket, or whatever. He he has some sort of the tour. The I forget who what Sebastian Vettel gave him a nickname. I forget what his what he he called him, but um, yeah, that's that's on Motorsport.com. If you're curious, Adam Cooper, great writer. Motorsport.com employs some really good. Riders, Adam Cooper's one of them. Uh, Danny Kvyat's butthurt about um, how he um, how he lost, but hey, you're about to get fired by a Jap guy because he's running good in F2 and it's a Honda team, so um, go cry about it. Um, you can be with your wife and your baby. Uh, you go into the um, F2 series. We had Mick Schumacher go and win the first race at uh, Monza. And then the uh, second race, you had Dan Tictum go and win, but then he couldn't even provide they the team and couldn't provide a, uh, a fuel sample, which in turn cost them uh, a win. Tictum's uh, Williams uh, Jr., of course, Williams uh, is no longer in terms of Williams' um, involvement, meaning uh, Sir Frank Williams and his daughter Claire 
they're not um, involved with the team anymore as of, I guess, Monday morning or whatever you want to get into. Um, they have now moved on. They've announced a new uh, team principal and all the other things like that. Um, could go and look at that and get into it. I don't really care because it's Williams. Um, George Russell isn't going to be there after 21 anyway. Um, in the Formula 2, Callum Eilat, who's a contender for the championship, Ferrari Jr. as well, uh, won the second race after Mick Schumacher won the first race over Luca Giotto and Christian Lundgaard. Sonoda finished fourth, Guan Yu Zhou finished fifth in the first race, Eilat sixth, Tictum seventh. Delatraz, Schwartzman, Jam, Deruvula, uh, the Indian driver finished 10th for the points. In race two, we had Eilat, Lundgaard, Mick, Delatraz, Schwartzman, another Ferrari junior driver, Deruvula, Aiken, Mazepin, Vips, and Nissani in the top 10, but only the top eight get points. So in terms of the standings going into the series finale at, at uh, Mugello this weekend, um, Callum Eilat has a six point lead on Mick Schumacher and a nine point lead on Robert Schwartzman. Um, the Yuki Sonoda has a seven point lead on Christian Lungard. Um, the top four in the F2 World Championship get uh, have, would be able to get the super license points necessary to run an F1 next year. So Sonoda has to score decent points here. Um, he's had um, he has the one win, this two wins this year, a couple other podiums, but has had a bunch of non-scores. Five, six, and eight non-scores versus Lingard, who has six. So basically, it's between Lingard and him for that final spot to get the super license points to go and run Formula One. Um, if Sonoda can get it, he's going to be guaranteed a spot at AlphaTauri. If not, well, I guess Danny Kvyat's going to get. Uh, get a reprieve but um we'll see what happens with that that's going to be a bit intriguing but the championship itself will be intriguing between the three ferrari uh junior drivers because there's a possibility that um one or two or all of them could be in formula one next year uh because of you consider uh the Sauber, um, you know, Alfa Romeo Sauber team is in a position where they may replace one or both of their drivers. You consider the Haas team, which is in a in a situation where they're basically in a in a transition. Uh, they probably could replace one or both of their drivers. So you could consider there's a possibility that two teams could have rookies be both drivers could be rookies going into 2020 or 21 i mean 
we will see. But the championship should be very interesting going to Mugello here on um, this weekend. Uh, the other uh, championship, Formula 3, you go and talk about uh, you have um, Logan Sargent who came in with the points lead and had a nightmare weekend. Um, he ended up finishing 26th out of 30 in race one. Uh, Cameron Doss, who's the American, other American driving for Carlin, uh, finished 16th in that race. David Schumacher, the son of um, Ralph Schumacher, there's in there. Sophia Flourish, who took a took a ride at Macau. <laughs> Amongst others there, Frederick Vesti for Prema and Oscar Piestri, the two teammates for um, Logan Sargent, ended up getting on the podium in race one. Tio Poucher, uh, who drives for ART, ended up on the podium. You had Beckman, Hughes, Lawson, Lerms and Deli. Uh, Ben Fiskel, Enzo Fittipaldi, and Michael Beloff for Shrews or Belov for Shrews in race one. In race two, Jake Hughes, Lawson, Poucher, Poucher for um, the podium, Smoliar, Zendeli, Peroni, Chauvet, Stanek. Ollie Caldwell and Vershore is the top 10 for um, race two. Sophia Flores in the top 13 gets a 13th place. It's not bad for Cameron Doss, 17th. And then Logan Sargent finishes dead last of the finishers in 25th. So gave up a ton of points this weekend, this past weekend. And now the championship will be determined this weekend and uh it's a one point gap between piastri and Sargent. so basically whoever runs better in the two races will be the formula three world champion i figure both drivers will be in formula two going into next year but you know i it pays to go and win a championship uh, Piastri has won um, two races this year. So has Logan Sargent, uh, but Logan Sargent's uh, last both races at at Monza were detrimental to him. If he had scored any type of points, I think he would have been in good shape. I mean, Piastri's only had two non-scores versus Logan Sargent's three. Or four, actually. So we will see about that. Poucher, Lawson, uh, separated by seven points, going to Mugello for the series finale for both um, series, uh, since even though there's going to be a bunch of other European races going into uh, the rest of 2020. Uh, we'll go and move on to the Southern 500. Uh, Kevin Harvick holds off uh, bald spot Dylan for a an eighth 
Cup Series win of 2020 for Kevin Harvick, his second Darlington Southern 500 win. Um, you know, you go and look at that Clyde. It really was determined because um, old Clyde and uh, Truex uh, stage winner, MTJ, because um, Clayton Hughes is a ball licker. Um, what do you take away from um, the race on Sunday, Josh, the Southern 500, Kevin Harvick going and uh, hiding out there and going and taking, picking up the pieces and doing what he needed to do to lock himself into round two? Well, I think you could maybe call it a closer-esque uh, type of finish, not really the way that we know Kevin Harvick uh, Kevin Harvick to be the closer because normally it's him kind of mounting a charge and stealing the win. And this time he kind of just waited in the wings and let the leaders make a mistake and then take themselves out. And then he was just able to hang on until the end there. But uh, for the most part, you know, it was mostly the Martin Truex benefit and um, a little bit of Chase Elliott there. And I think it was going to be a battle between both Chase Elliott and Martin Truex there and the battle between their uh, pit strategies with um, Harvick, Elliott, and Jimmy Johnson going with the two-stop strategy uh, to close out the race. And then you had uh, Martin Truex on the one-stop strategy. And then for whatever reason, they decided to throw a a debris caution for um, a a small piece of metal or whatever it was, the crust panel. And that kind of wrecked the strategy and put everybody else back on the same pit cycle there and then uh chase elliott was just able to get a good restart uh at the end of that uh caution and then he was able to kind of pull away but then martin truex was just slowly pulling him in and then it was going to be a battle of uh who could take the best line and and if chase elliott could kind of hold his line take away uh truex's um line there in both corners but then chase elliott like he had kind of made it work um, for um, a series of laps there and just holding on to the high side and kind of taking a mid-low line in the uh, turn one and two. But then he decides to, with about 13 laps to go, decides to go on the bottom in turn three and four. And then that allowed Martin Truex to go uh, get momentum on top and um, top line there. And then he was able to go side by side into turn one on the next lap but then that ended up being a not maybe not a good decision. Um, you could say that Martin Truex was going for it, and Chase Elliott wasn't going to um, let him have it there because it would have been a tight battle for there for the win, and Elliott probably wanted to win really badly, being the Southern 500, which a uh, race that his father won made him the million-dollar bill. But uh, Chase Elliott also would be able to secure a spot going into the next round and wouldn't have to worry about Richmond or uh, Bristol or anything like that. But certainly a missed opportunity for both drivers i think um you could say maybe chase Elliott could have let him go into that corner but i think he wasn't going to give him an inch there and martin Truex just didn't have quite the momentum to make him clear uh in in that uh lap and then they both run into the wall and then Truex has to pit i think and then chase Elliott ends up just dropping back with nose damage and and um then kevin harvick uh, takes the win, although it wasn't without suspense. And, I mean, they, we had 
uh, him go throughout the last run with some lap traffic after he took the lead. And then I wasn't sure if he was going to hold on to it because he had some issues with his tires towards the end of his uh, fuel runs throughout that race. And uh, I didn't know if Austin Dillon was going to get in and try to make a run. But the last lap, he was able to make up a lot of ground and um, could have made a, a run for it. But it ends up being Kevin Harvick. But yeah, it was an interesting race overall. Um, not really a lot of wrecking or anything like that. It was kind of similar to what we saw in May. But I, I feel like maybe tire wear was a little bit more factored in. Of course, it was a longer race. So I, I think that definitely had a, a lot of factor into that. But uh, kind of a classic style uh, Darlington finish where a lot of uh, strategy and a lot of uh, uh, stalking by the second place uh, guy and and trying to outdrive or out um, outpace uh, whoever they're battling against. You know, when you consider Kevin Harvick as the it, it's something that he was there, he stalked it. It was like you said, you look at this race and it's there when you look at 57 wins for Kevin Harvick and you think about what he had, you know, he's somewhere around 20 something wins before he got to Stuart Haas racing. And now he was, he was borderline hall of fame, I think prior to coming to Stuart Haas. And now not only is he hall of fame, he's first ballot hall of fame, um, two Southern 500 wins. He's won the 600, couple times when Brickyard a couple times the only thing he hasn't done at this point other than winning a second championship is winning Daytona again uh but winning the 500 is is basically as much about luck as it is about actually being good um uh, Wilbur's proof of that uh winning three out of the last four and you consider and he had to win by a nose and in 16 and um, in 19, Kyle Busch just sat there like a cock. And then this year, you know, they've replayed it a thousand times. There's a reason why he won that third Daytona 500. So, um, and you go and look at Kevin Harvick and what he's done here to go and win that race. He took advantage of what was going on. Truex went and Clayton Hughes and his being a douchebag. Uh, both of them went and cleared themselves over uh, Clyde's nose. Gave away that opportunity. They had the best car. They'd been the best car all night. It was straightforward. They could have won that race and uh, they gave it away. And gave away that, as you said, Josh, they gave away a first-round exit. Um, that would have been a first round by you wouldn't even had to show up the next two weeks. You'd have been in to the next round. So, I mean, Truex has become a pretty good short track guy winning races. So it's not out of the realm. He goes and wins on uh Saturday night. I was at one of the last times I was at Richmond. He won. So it's not, it wouldn't shock me if he goes and does it again with uh, James small, but um, you know, you got to look at other drivers. We'll talk about that later in the previews, but, um, Harvick going and winning Dylan going and uh, making a second place finish there out of nothing really, 
uh, knowing it's all Sindel and a uh, big deal for points uh, for sure. Uh, let's see here. Going to the results quickly. Uh, we have Harvick, Austin Dillon, Joey Logano with a wreck race car finishes third. Uh, Eric Jones started 30th, finished fourth, and first non-playoff driver. The only non-playoff driver in the top 13 positions. So um, big ups to Eric Jones, who's looking for a job. A bunch of those guys are looking for a job. Byron. Uh, fifth, Bowman, Kyle Busch, Kurt Busch, Eric Almirola, Clint Boyer, top 10. Brad Keselowski uh, hit the wall early in that race, didn't get any stage points. Uh, was a lap down, came back, finished 11th. Cole Custer, Denny Hamlin, Matt Kenseth, and Ryan Newman, the top 15. Um, Elliott and Truex finished 20th and 22nd, respectively. Uh, D. Benedetto, 21st. Ryan Blaney, 24th. Um, Jimmy Johnson, who ran up top five most of the night, uh, ended up finishing 18th. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Josh, um, who stood out to you outside of, of course, Harvick, you know, Martin Truex, in terms of the good relative to the playoff drivers, and who stood out to you in terms of the bad with the um, playoff drivers? Yeah, I think for me, the people that kind of stood out uh, the most, uh, I think Austin Dillon, obviously, because he was able to capitalize, you know, he, uh, before the race started, he had an issue with his tires and they had to drop to the back and then, uh, had some, some issues, uh, throughout the race, but then he was able to kind of come back from all that and, uh, get close to winning that race. But then also Alex Bowman, uh, finished sixth place and he was throughout the race in the top 10. I think he finished in the top 10 in both stages and well, he, yeah, he finished in sixth place and then in uh, fourth place in stage one and stage two and kind of reminiscent of what he did at Darlington back in May. And maybe it's an indicator of things to come for Hendrick really um, because I think all the Hendrick drivers did really good at this track in May and maybe they can get back on a roll to where they were before and possibly uh, get back into championship form for that team. But then also William Byron, who seems to be on a hot streak as of late finishing top five at Dover Daytona last week and now this week at Darlington. So good for him on that. Um, And then I think for the bad, for the, uh, chase drivers, I think, or playoff drivers. Uh, Matt the Benedetto just looks like they completely missed the setup on their race, and they end up being a lap down. Ryan Blaney had an issue with inspection before the race. Crew chief gets ejected, and then they have a flat tire uh, in the middle of the race and pretty much killed whatever uh, attempt they had to come back and or make some something out of nothing and now they're 17 points back in the playoff standings and looking on the outside looking in after having kind of a solid season but like we said before Ryan Blaney tends to um, not do well when the pressure's on or at least this year whether that's driver or bad luck whatever but just hasn't been able to capitalize so it'll be interesting to see how he approaches the next two races and if he's able to climb his way back into the uh 
playoff contention is probably going to have to either finish top five in both of those races and hope that somebody else drops out, which is possible. But also he is really going to have to look for a win. And it's probably a good thing that it's a short track race, uh, the next two races coming up, and there will be a lot of opportunities to possibly use the chrome horn if if it comes down to it, if uh, he needs a victory. Um, and uh, I think Denny Hamlin, also another driver that kind of was disappointing because he was in the top 10 throughout the race. And then he made a mistake coming into the pits um, without, I think, you know, 70 laps to go or, or where, whenever it was when he um, got bumped from behind from Jimmy Johnson and then couldn't uh, get to his pit stop. And he had to uh, go back around again and lost a lot of time there. And so I think that was a disappointing finish for him for sure um, for his playoff chances although he does have playoff points to fall back on but would have expected him to do a little bit better in this race yeah and jimmy johnson definitely and we'll mention that as well here in just a moment in terms of uh non-playoff drivers but that that uh particular instance ended up uh leaving old wilbur out of the running he ended up finishing 13th but Probably could have run better. He was running better than that. So I uh, agree with you, Josh, on D. Benedetto and Blady. Um, you know, you consider Todd Gordon. He's been known for doing kind of things like this to go and give up those kind of points at this uh, juncture of the season. Um, they're not a team that's equipped to handle that kind of adversity. Um it kind of rolls into 2017 when the Joey Logano, Todd Gordon combination uh, missed the playoff after Todd Gordon did something to get himself suspended and they didn't run well basically the rest of the year. And it's to me, it's got all the signs of a similar result. You know, you're trying to push the limit to try to put yourself in a position to contend for a championship or contend to advance and you get caught and now you're lose you're not gonna be on the box or be communicating. Travis Geisler, who was a crew chief uh, previously with Sam Hornish, um team just did not seem like they were completely there and that cost them in terms of points. It cost them in other areas. Um, we will see what they do. They do agree, Josh, that they have to go and win to obvious guarantee, but relative to a lot of these other drivers, uh, they're not going to be able to just flat out pass them. They're going to have to do something um, to go and get to do to advance to round two. Um, in terms of the point standings before we talk about the non-playoff drivers the point standings have Harvick of course advanced with Hamlin Logano Keselowski and Bowman in top five Uh, the bottom four that would be eliminated if they were to eliminate right now are are Clint Boyer Cole Custer DiBenedetto and Blaney DiBenedetto and Blaney are 
90 points out of the overall points lead, and they are 14 points behind Cole Custer for 14th. In terms of the cutoff, they are 17 points off of that, which is a tie between Eric Almarola and Clint Boyer. Now, uh, to me, Josh, I, I enjoyed Jimmy Johnson's paint scheme. Uh, he did a great job with that. He was able to get gargoyles from Dale Earnhardt's sister. Uh, he was able to get a hat from Mr. The King. He really owned his throwback in his final Southern 500. Um, who stood out to you uh, uh, in terms of the non-playoff guys? Well, I think Jimmy Johnson was probably one that stood out, like, at least for the first uh, two stages. He was in the top five, and he finished second in the first stage. And then the second stage, he ended up finishing in fifth place. And I thought he might be a contender there for the win. It seemed like he was on the same strategy as Kevin Harvick and Chase Elliott when they were trying to go two stops to end that um, the race, but it looked like, I don't know, he if he just um, fell back and just uh, missed the adjustments at the end and uh, couldn't keep up, but he also, you know, he ran into Denny Hamlin there at the end, and it looked like he just didn't have a good car for that last run um, going to finish that race, so it was a little bit disappointing, even though he finished, uh, or he did well throughout that race, that he was only able to get an 18 finish, but um, there was a good paint scheme. I liked the how it looked there under the lights uh, in the sunset as well, and the excellent execution by him, kind of mixing all three of those drivers together in one car and also on himself with the Richard Petty hat, the gargoyles, uh, sunglasses that he had from Dale Earnhardt's sister, and then himself with uh, his beard and everything because um, he was considering shaving, and it's uh, good that he didn't because that's kind of his trademark now. But uh, another driver, I think, that finished or that did well was obviously Eric Jones looking for a job next year. He's on the outside looking in uh, for this playoffs, and he was able to finish fourth and be the only playoff or non-playoff driver to uh, finish in the top 10 or uh, the first 13 drivers, really. And so he did very well for him. Um, and really, I think that's all the drivers that really stood out um, because I think all the rest of the playoff drivers or non-playoff drivers didn't really do anything. I mean, Ryan Newman had a good finish in 15th place, and so did Matt Kenseth in 14th place. But they weren't really ever in contention or where the camera was focused on them. It was mostly all playoff drivers up front. And that's something you have to think about with these races, how they're uh, organizing qualifying and or having no qualifying, and they have the playoff drivers uh, all settled up front and then the non-playoff drivers uh, sorted behind them. And that's something you have to think about how uh, they'll perform or how they'll, uh, the field stacks up going into these next two races and even beyond that for the rest of the season because it it's probably going to look like a lot of playoff drivers in the first top 15 most likely, and then the non-playoff drivers maybe a, a few here and there uh, throughout the first 15 finishers. And then after that, it'll be just mostly non-playoff guys. So it'll, it looks like maybe for, you know, the playoff field, 
the first half of the field is going to be a playoff benefit, I guess. Yeah, the the way they have the thing lined up, they've they've put the emphasis on the playoff drivers versus the non-playoff drivers. And, I mean, good, bad, and different. If you don't run well, you shouldn't be able to get a better starting spot over somebody you ran well the previous week. But they want to emphasize the playoffs. They always have drivers that get eliminated from the playoff. They don't get any attention or less attention. So I do agree, though, that Jimmy Johnson was a standout. Um, Eric Jones, of course, um, I agree with that. And then Reddick in the 1995 Jeff Burton scheme, not the 94 rookie scheme like uh, RCR tried to sell it. Ran out there at times during Sunday's race, but ended up falling back. Uh, those were the three non-playoff competitors that really stood out to me uh, in terms of the Southern 500. This previous Sunday, they'll be running Federated Auto Parts 400 on Saturday night at Richmond, and we'll give a little preview and picks for that uh, later on. Uh, the Xfinity Series ran at Darlington on Saturday afternoon. Uh, that was a race where Bruckshot Jones ended up winning his third career Xfinity Series race. The um, Sport Clips Help a Hero 200. Uh, three races away now, counting Darling or with Darlington done. There's three races to go before the regular season ends there. They'll be running a doubleheader at Richmond Friday night, Saturday afternoon. Uh, Bruckshot Jones wins over Ross Chastain, Ryan Sieg, Riley Herbst, Denny Hamlin. Harrison Burton makes four Gibbs cars in the top six. Greg Sinanette, Austin Hill gets a top 10 for MBM and Hattori Racing, and Myatt Snyder finishes 10th. Uh, top two drivers in the championship, Briscoe and Sindrick, 11th and 12th. Justin Haley started on pole, didn't get any stage points. B.J. McLeod finished uh, top 15. Uh, that was That's something. Uh, the Mario Goslin tributes finished 15th and 16th. Um, Josh, uh, Brockshot Jones going and winning in the Robert Huffman throwback Um going and uh, taking advantage of Hamlin and Ross Chastain running over each other. Yeah, that was a very classic Darlington finish. And I think it was probably the better finish between that and Cup and the truck race. Uh, it was two drivers just basically using up their stuff the last 15 laps of that race. We talk about Ross Chastain trying to outlast Denny Hamlin, who probably had the best car uh, throughout that race and and Denny Hamlin was just trying to do whatever he could to get around him he was running high in turn one and then he would try to um, do the crossover not crossover but the dive bomb move into turn three and you know slide job and take the lead but he just wasn't quite able to do it and then he was able to with two laps to go and then uh he got into the wall, and then Ross Chastain also got on the wall, and then they couldn't um, 
keep from running into each other. And then that allowed Brandon Jones to take the lead and then take the win. And they said it was like on the broadcast, it was kind of like the 2003 Darlington finish with Kurt Busch and, and Ricky Craven, which it kind of was. It resembled it uh, somewhat. And I imagine um, it would have been kind of like that if they hadn't um, wrecked at the very end. But Brandon Jones takes the win, um, and he gets his third win of the season, um, which for me, like, he's not really, like, a, a driver that's, like, really dominated anything so far this year. He's just kind of, um, I think, been at the right place at the right time for his wins uh, this year. Um, certainly good for him, but I do question if that parlays in anything as far as the championship, which it could be possible if um, there are more races like that that help him um, get uh, have better fortune and, and he's able to capitalize on that. But for him, I still don't see him as anything but a championship contender, and it's just him merely picking up a, another win to add to his career. Um, but certainly it's a good thing to win at Darlington. But when you know we talk about Chase Briscoe and he ran into some uh, oil, I guess, on the track from uh, another car that crashed from Brett Moffitt. And you know we talk about NASCAR's consistent inconsistency in enforcing cautions or when they throw the yellow, and that definitely hurt Chase Briscoe there, and he wasn't able to win the race, and and then you know he spun out with 30 to go. Um, so he's still able to finish 11th, but he had the best car that race besides Denny Hamlin, and he was able to lead 55 laps and could have maybe repeated at Darlington from the spring as far as winning the race, but he wasn't able to do that. Um, so a little bit of missed points for him for um, not being able to win the race, and who knows if that helps him down the road for the championship because obviously he missed on some playoff points there getting – or not getting the playoff points for the uh, race win. And hopefully he's able to make up for that uh, going down the line for the title. Yeah, I saved this for our show. I I was on the precipice of really losing it. Um, Clayton for the Talking in Circles. I'm on there, uh, co-host there. Uh, great show, long time uh, NASCAR podcast that exists on uh, blog talk radio uh, the it, unlike the brad keselowski fencing in on sunday where i thought it was over and he ended up getting 11 the the chase ended up finishing 11th but he should have won the damn race uh finished he led the most laps um, outside of Denny Hamlin, uh, he was the best car, and he goes and gets screwed because NASCAR and their consistently inconsistent selective enforcement of uh, nature allow Brett Moffitt, who got put in the fence, I forget who put him in the fence, but he got put in the fence, and he oiled down oil line gets knocked off oils down the whole entire racetrack and then chase goes and drives into turn one the one lap and hits the fence and basically ended his day and other people i think uh pasta 
pasta for Joel. Um, Anthony Alfredo ends up uh, getting involved in that deal uh, as well. Completely unnecessary uh, situation. They should have called a caution right when the smoke was coming out of the uh, 0-2 with Brent Moffitt. It wasn't his fault that that got knocked off, but you know he could have slowed down. He could have gotten out of the way, went on the apron. It's all kind of a lot of things. I mean, Chase is 50-plus points out of the uh, points lead now in the Xfinity regular season. So he's going to have a hard time making up all that in three races. Um, But he lost opportunity at Daytona, or I mean at at Darlington uh, after winning at Darlington in May. Um, Daytona, you know, I say Daytona, he, he had opportunities both of those races, but, you know, Sindrick uh, went on his heater and put a gap, and it looks like he's going to have the 15 playoff points going into the uh, first round of the uh, playoff. Going to the Xfinity Series race, or I mean Truck Series race, uh, Ben Rhodes ends up going and winning that deal um, after Sheldon Greed and Brett Moffitt dominate. Um, uh, Josh, you go and look at tires. You never thought there would be a day where tires didn't make a difference. Um, in this case, they didn't because um, the the 99 was able to make old tires work with Derek Krause and other people. Uh, what do you look for in terms of, or what do you get out of, the uh, truck race on Sunday afternoon. And I guess uh, for the people who are on the cutoff, what does it look like? We're going to get into it more in detail, but uh, GMS benefit, and it'll be a dramatic race on Thursday night for the last couple of spots in the playoff. Yeah, the um, you, you look at the uh, race there, Sheldon Creed ended up, going and uh, leading the most laps in the uh, truck series race at Darlington. First time in 10 years or nine years that they've run at Darlington with the truck series. So a whole different view. Uh, he led the most laps and uh, Brett Moffitt led the second most laps. Um, Sheldon Creed was running a, Jimmy Johnson, Herzog Motorsports, um, Soda Series truck uh, tribute. And then Brett Moffitt was driving a Allison Family Miller, uh, Miller American, Miller um, High Life uh, scheme there. Miller American actually is more like it. But Rhodes, Krause, Austin Hill, Grand and Finger, Christian Eck is top five. Lassard, Gilliland, Friesen, Timmy Hill gets a top ten. Uh, him and his wife are expecting a first child. Uh, so congratulations to them. And Brett Moffat, top ten. Ankrum in 11th. Uh, Ty Majeski, who just got fired by, uh, by Nice Motorsports for Trevor Bain. Uh, finishes 13th. Um, Josh, um, 
I was asking about where your take away from the truck series. I wonder if uh, have anything to take away from Van Rhodes going and getting his first win of 2020. Yeah, well, I think for uh, Ben Rhodes to win like that, staying on track and not taking any tires, normally at Darlington, especially with the way its surface is and and how it chews up tires pretty easily, that's the wrong move. But for him, it was able to work. And I think it's a good win for him because I think he was on the cusp of winning this year, and it was just a matter of time. And he was able to hold off um Ben or Derek Krauss, and he was able to win that race. Um, which normally, you know, normally we talk about not taking tires, like you would have expected him to just uh, drop out or, you know, drop behind in the race. Um, but he was able to do it, and he stayed on track when everybody else pitted, and he was able to win. But for him, uh, it helps him for the playoff. Now he has a, um, playoff points and a win in the bank um, that secures his spot for the uh, truck series playoffs there. But, you know, like you expect, you don't expect that to happen because on old tires you should fall off, but um, it didn't, which I guess for the tire that they brought at Darlington, um, old tires just uh, don't wear quite as much or tires just don't wear quite as much as maybe what we thought they would. And maybe um, the lower speeds of the trucks kind of um, help with that. And, and um, you know, being the most forgiving car of all the, or um, vehicle of all the um, NASCAR series that uh, ran there, they probably had, I guess maybe that may have been a factor, but um, certainly for uh, the GMS cars, um, maybe a, a missed opportunity um, to get another win. And Brett Moffitt finished in 10th and led uh, the second most laps. And then Sheldon Creed finished in 18th and um, led the most laps in that race. And um, I mean, both of those drivers, well, uh, Brett Moffitt, he's um, this year, he's uh, won a, or hasn't won a race. So that's a missed opportunity for him. But for um, Sheldon Creed is another um, win that he could have had um, to help him for the uh, playoffs um, and and get all the playoff points and all that. But unfortunately, he doesn't get that. Um, but I think for the people on the bubble, you know, um, Derek Krause finished in second. If he would have won, that would have secured a spot for him in the um, playoffs. Uh, but since he isn't now, he's... Uh, still 10 points back behind Todd Gilliland, um, which maybe that puts him on thin ice, but um, we'll have to see going to the, uh, these next couple of races here um, if uh, he's able to make that up. But certainly um, it shouldn't, you know, for him to finish second at Darlington as a rookie uh, in the truck series should be commended for, but he just uh, was one spot short there at the end of that race. You got to feel for uh, Kraus not being able to hold off the Ben Rhodes. If he had gotten in, it would have really flipped the script uh, for the truck series uh, points situation. Um, but instead, going into Thursday night's uh, regular season finale, uh, basically it's Ankrum, or yeah, it's Ankrum, Gilliland. Uh, Ankrum has a four-point lead on Gilliland. 
Uh, Derek Krause is right out just outside. He's 10 points behind Gilliland, and he's 14 points behind Ankrum for the uh, ninth position. So really, it's three drivers, two three drivers, two spots. If it was a points thing, uh, when you consider the outsiders, um, Lassard's picked up his pace in recent weeks, so it's a possibility that. Uh, he could go and get an upset. I mean, Moffitt's in, Eckes is in points-wise. So really, you look at the top eight, those are all uh, locked in, no problem. So it'll be, um, right now, based on points, it would be two for one. But if a Raphael Lassard or Tanner Gray or Friesen Slaughter one, then that three goes into one spot, and uh, we will find out what happens with that on Thursday evening and night at uh, their, yeah, Thursday night at their deal. So um, going into the U.S. Nationals, we'll go into that briefly. It'll be part of the GSP Roundup. Uh, ran on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon, had some delays. Sean Langdon ended up winning his second career U.S. Nationals over Leah Pruitt, um, who's uh, spending a lot of time in Tony Stewart's cabin. Take that for what it will, what it was, and uh, also the fact that Tony Stewart spent a lot of uh, quarantine during COVID, uh, during the lockdown for COVID in Lake Havasu, where Leah Pruitt uh, has a home. Uh, Jack Beckman gets his second win over two-time winner in Funny Car, J.R. Todd. So prevents a double for the Coletta team. Eric Anders and her garbage uh, won over Matt Harford. Her second win at uh, the U.S. Nationals in Pro Stock. And then Scotty Polacek, who got himself on the 200-mile-an-hour club for Pro Stock Motorcycle, also won uh, the event itself over Andrew Hines. And uh, they'll be running next at Gainesville in a couple of weeks. Uh, of course, the uh, re uh, rescheduling of the Gator Nationals there. We'll uh, do the Grip Strip podcast roundup. Uh, V8 Supercars were at Townsville for a second consecutive week. It's Shane Van Gisbergen, who's had a nightmare year. Uh, he won two races in the Red Bull Holden. Uh, Scotty McLaughlin wins yet another race. Uh, Scotty takes a 143-point lead. Uh, DJR Team Penske number 17, of course, uh, 143 point lead going into Sandown over Jamie Wincup. And going to the IMSA series, Elio Castroneves, Ricky Taylor for the Acura Team Penske get through adversity. They got penalized early uh, for pit violations, and Elio Castroneves is able to go and remake the car, get that all ready to go and uh, race that deal. So credit to Team Penske and all that are involved. 
Um, he won over uh, Nazar, Albuquerque, Durrani, the Action Express Cadillac. In um, third there, Jonathan Bomarito, Harry Tinknell, Ryan Hunter Ray, Captain America. Uh, finished second. Um, then you have uh, Kelly um, in the LMP2, uh, Trummer, Huffaker, LMP2. And you have Bruno Spengler, uh, Connor D. Filippi, and GTLM. And uh, Mario Farnbacher, Matt McMurray, and then Kiyomishigimi uh, finished uh, fourth in the World Superbike uh, portion or regular Superbike portion. Uh, there is. Um, then uh, you have DTM at Aston or. World Superbike, you had Ro- Michael Rubin Rinaldi, Scott Redding, Johnny Ray, the winners of the races. Johnny Ray has a 36-point lead with 12 races to go. Uh, DTM and Aston, Robin Freins, Sheldon Vanderlinde split races for Audi and BMW, respectively. Nico Muller uh, leads Freins by 26 with 10 races to go. Um yeah, that's basically it with that. So, uh, going into Formula One at Mugello, a brand new circuit. Some of the drivers in the lower formulas have raced at Mugello, but Josh, uh, I want to ask you, what do you look at for uh, this weekend's races at uh, Circuit de Marco Simoncelli? Uh, well, I think for for this race, it could be um, uh, a lot of unknowns. I mean, even though, like you just said, a lot of racers in Formula One have uh, raced at Mugello in lower series, so it's not like um, it's a completely new track. But um, there's probably going to be a lot of unknowns with um, how how the cars will handle and how. You know, tire wear will factor into um, their pitch strategy for this race because you know they don't really have a, a lot of data that they can go on. So I think for teams that have, um, you know, junior teams or um, satellite teams that run in the lower series and like F1 or F3, they maybe they'll have to pull some data from that and try to apply it to their Formula One programs and and see. Um, if they can go off that and and execute a good race strategy, but I still expect Lewis Hamilton to continue to dominate like he has been, but maybe he doesn't dominate quite as much, or um, he has a little bit more of a challenge this race. We'll see if Max Verstappen or Valtteri Bottas can um, try to bring a fight uh, for this race, if they can maybe claw into Lewis Hamilton's lead or not. Um, we'll have to see if that happens, but expect um, another exciting battle for the midfield with uh, McLaren and Racing Point, um, and maybe even the uh, Toro or Alpha Tori cars in this race. We'll see uh, what they're able to do. Um, even for Ferrari, um, you know, this is going to be their 1,000th Grand Prix and also a second home race for them. So if they're able to bounce back from their disappointment at 
uh, Monza. We'll see if that happens, but I don't think that'll be the case. Um, but maybe they can have a less eventful weekend and and you know either get one of the last couple positions in the points or they just quietly finish outside of the points. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see what happens for this weekend, but expect another Lewis Hamilton Mercedes domination. Yeah, they have to recover after what amounts to giving away the Italian Grand Prix. I would expect a Grand Slam uh, for Lewis Hamilton with his qualifying on pole, leading every session, going in, leading us last, and going and uh, getting the most points, getting the play on the extra point for fastest lap. I just feel like that's what's going to happen post-COVID for Lewis to go and do that. Um, Otherwise, if it's similar to last weekend, I don't know if I could handle that personally, but we will see a new circuit. I think it lands in terms of the drivers that are the most consistent, and that's what Lewis Hamilton is. Um, as I mentioned earlier in the show, the F2 and F3 championships, their final races of the season are this weekend. Two races each series uh, in terms of F2, the top four get enough super license points to advance to Formula One. So there's going to be a definite Ferrari uh, feel possibility of four drivers um, graduating out of that. We will see. Um, Logan Sargent, can he go and win after some of the mistakes he has made uh, over Oscar Piastri? Um, something we'll have to go and find out in more detail. And we'll let you know uh, what happens with that and with that um, um, scheduling here um, on next week's uh, GSP. Uh, talk about. Uh, before we get into NASCAR and IndyCar, Masano, MotoGP, of course, no Mark Marquez. Um, he will uh, be out for the foreseeable future, which means uh, practice or manages um, whatever desserts. Um, there's, that's not going to work, whatever. You're going to have to go and show something a little better than that. Um, Go to DTM and Nürburgring. Nico Muller has been the dominant figure. Uh, Sheldon Vanderlinde went and won one of the races last week, but really the Mercedes are just uh, dominating in DTM, and there's only them and BMW at the point. This point, uh, they're probably going to end up having to um, change their formula to make it work. Um, that's DTM, Super GT, and Motegi. The Nissan team was able to go and uh, and do what they have to do there. Uh, and Super GT, the Nissan team, going and finally getting a win. Honda and Toyota been kind of been hyperbaric chamber, trying to go and get keep drivers, keep pit crews, everything uh, going and safe. Uh, so we will see about how that endurance works not only from this match or this uh, day's match versus to further matches, quarterfinals, semifinals, and eventually um, 
what he has right there. Um, Josh, I guess I'll go to you. You're the picks guru. Um, what are you feeling for Cup Xfinity? They have two races of Xfinity this weekend, but um, what do you look for, or who do you look for to um, have a chance to win in uh, the, the certain different uh, choices that are made? Yeah, I, I think for the Cup Series, uh, I would probably pick Martin Jerich Jr. Um, he swept both races last year. Uh, I think he's got probably a little bit of chip on his shoulder with what happened at Darlington. And I think they bring back what they had last year and win the race. Um, probably look for also Denny Hamlin to um, compete uh, throughout this race. And maybe even Kyle Busch. They did finish one, two, three last year at this race uh, in the fall. So I think it's going to be a maybe a bit of a Toyota um, party on on uh, Saturday's the race. Uh, yep. Yep. Okay. And look for that. I mean, I for guys that aren't going to be favorites, uh, I don't know if Chase Elliott can uh, compete for this race. Uh, he seems to be that Richmond is his worst or weakest track. Also, I think Ryan Blaney um, probably won't be a contender in this race, and that's going to put him in a deeper hole uh, going into uh, this first round or as it continues. But maybe look for a guy like Brad Keselowski to be a bit of a dark horse um, in where he finishes, possibly getting a, a top five or, or um, likely a, a top ten. This, this is a good track for him as well. Um, but I think it's going to be Martin Truex uh, um, securing his spot for the next round. And in the Xfinity series, uh, I think it's probably going to be a battle between um, Ben R- or not Ben Rose, I'm sorry, um, with uh, Chase Briscoe and um, Austin Sindrick. Uh, I think Chase Briscoe probably wins one of those races. And then um, Austin Sendrick wins the other race uh, this weekend. Um, and other drivers to look out for, I think, uh, Kyle Busch, obviously. Um, can't forget about him. Um, I think he'll he'll definitely be a contender. Um, but I can't say I guarantee a win for uh, him. Uh, it's been a, a little bit tough, uh, not necessarily, but... For him, the uh, last couple of Xfinity starts, uh, he had that penalty at Texas and and um, hasn't quite lucked out um, since then in the Xfinity series. But um, I think he'll he could definitely win one of these races too. But just uh, just not sure um, if he'd be able to pull it out. Um, I think he'll have a little bit uh, tougher competition with uh, those two drivers. Um, have it with both of them being on kind of a recent. Um, ish hot streaks in the in this series and then i think in um the or truck series uh probably would pick uh sheldon creed i think think he's um kind of turning it on recently um and he's got the uh short track kind of um mentality i think and i don't think he's afraid to get tough if he needs to and he's a, a good driver so uh i think he has a good chance for this weekend. I mean, I think other drivers you have to look out for is Austin Hill. Um, he's been pretty solid throughout this season. Um, Brent Moffitt as well. Um, still has won the truck series, as we mentioned earlier. 
Um, and I think he can definitely be a contender in this race too. And um, wouldn't uh, count out Matt Craft. And also he's always been solid at Richmond and he's won there before. So he could definitely be a threat for um, the race uh, for the truck series on Thursday. Yeah. All good picks for sure. Um, I looked at uh, Truex of course, cause he's won recently. I think Denny Hamlin goes and wins uh, Saturday night in the Martinsville race. Um, in terms of the Xfinity, they have two shots. I, I chose to use that the picture opportunities. One on Ryan Blaney um, in terms of his uh, throwback, crazy throwback, and he ran it already. Um, at Super Speedway, you have Nat, the Cup Series, you have Earnhardt there. And that's, uh, I mean, we'll see what happens with the one race. I think I think Justin Allgaier wins one race, and I think Chase Briscoe wins one race. Uh, in terms of the truck series, I look at Brett Moffitt finally going, getting through the hump and winning that race. So we will see. Uh, what happens with all of them. Uh, the last thing we will go over before we end tonight's show is the IndyCar Series. Recently announced doubleheader at Mid-Ohio Honda Indy Grand Prix 200. Um, I guess uh, there's two layers to this. You have the Dixon and New Garden layer, and then you have everybody else. So... Uh, who do you look at for winning uh, this week, both in both categories, and why? Yeah, I think for Scott Dixon, I think he's been very good at Mid Ohio, um, and he's been a winner there in the past. He's also won on the road courses um, a couple of times this season. Um, they haven't raced at a road course since uh, the beginning of July. And he won at the Indy GP as well. So I think they'll continue to uh, bounce back or continue to dominate in this uh, this season. And, and they'll probably get mid-Ohio one of those races. Um, and I think probably would look out for somebody like Felix Rosenquist, who was the other road course winner this year in the IndyCar Series. And he had a, a close shot to win last year at mid-Ohio. Um, and maybe he gets a little redemption for that from uh, last year and pulls out the, the victory. Um, I think he's got a solid um, shot for him, and he's um, in a good car, and I think he has the uh, the talent to do it and the pace as well. Yeah, absolutely agree on all that. I think um, I think it's going to be chalk, whether it's whatever order you want to come with 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 the uh, the with um is going there um I think Scott Dixon and Newgarden are going to be able to chop the wins uh, this weekend at Mid Ohio and just continue their battle towards the 2020 championship. But you have to give consideration to new to to um, Rosenquist, you have to give consideration to Power and 
Cyber Pass, you know. Uh, you know, there there's other people who haven't gotten going or haven't done really, really done anything, and you have to go and look at that going into mid-Ohio and that there's going to be a little bit of a break before the next race, trying to go and gain points. Uh, Ryan has uh, Ryan Styles, or Ryan Styles. Uh, you know, you have sir, you have um, Scott Dixon with a huge points lead, and you have to go and give that credit to them and uh, what they've done. New engineer, new whole group, and or not new whole whole new group, but just pieces and be able to dominate the way they have. Uh, before we go tonight, uh, Josh, uh, anything or anything you want to promote? Well, I think we did say we were going to um, maybe give a little bit of the NFL talk if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so I'll start ahead. off, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens for the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. Uh, don't. Don't think they'll come close to making the playoffs. Um, this is looking like probably a five and eleven or six and ten season um, for them. And a lot of people have them tanking this year and getting the number one overall pick. And I say not so fast uh, because um, the moves that they've made this off season, for the most part, other than the players that they alienated, like Jalen Ramsey and Unika Ngakwe, were actually the right moves. Um, Clayus Campbell, A.J. Boye, um, and some of the other guys that they got rid of uh, this past offseason and previous offseasons were getting old or um, no longer um, had the uh, the money to pay them, and, and um, they would have um, been in salary cap hell, so they had to get rid of them. And obviously would have liked to have um, some of those young players that they haven't been able to keep, um, but I guess maybe... That's how it's going to be. But uh, they cut Leonard Fournette, who wasn't really a fit in their offense, I think. Um, and and he's going to be supplanted by an undrafted free agent uh, this year. Um, and Chris Thompson from Washington, uh, who who seems like a solid pass catching running back. So they've they made a, a lot of a lot of moves. Um, it's going to be a very young team. Uh, with 16 uh, rookies or second-year players on the roster that that are going to be playing or starting this year. But um, it's going to be a um, young team that I think will be competitive, but not um, good enough to um, be better than a 5-11 record. Um, They they won't be good against the run uh, on defense, but I think they'll have a, a solid or... Um, decent enough passing attack uh, on offense, but um, it's it's not a tank. They'll just um, not be good enough to get over the hump um, or um, be good better than than getting the number one overall pick, I guess. Yeah, we'll find out whether the tanking for Trevor um, is a thing for Jacksonville or some of the other teams that are in this league, whether it's the Las Vegas Raiders or, you know, there, there are other teams that probably are looking at Jets. There's other teams that are kind of in play. Um, the 49ers are on the redemption tour, revenge tour. 
uh, after losing the Super Bowl the way they did. Uh, they'll be playing Arizona week one. It's going to be a tough game. Arizona's made improvements on both sides of the ball, but really on the defense because their defense was pretty terrible. Um, not as much on the offensive line, which their offensive line wasn't one of the best, which plays into the Niners' hands. But we will see. Um, percentages say that they should be able to win the game. But who knows? Uh, they had the game won, and they gave it away. So we will see the Seattle games, especially the Seattle game week 17 is going to be the determining factor on who wins the division, what's going on, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, just now, Josh, I'll uh, ask you again, many um, social media platforms, uh, streaming that you got going on for races, anything you want to got put going out? Yeah, I mean, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at JB Huffline and at Instagram um, at JB Huffline as well. Um, you can also friend me on Facebook if you want or find me there, uh, find it, Josh Huffline. Um, I haven't created a streaming platform yet, but I'll try to see if I can work on that throughout the end of the week. Um, this week on iRacing is uh, the infamous week 13 where uh, they um, – all, all the races are, are unofficial, so you won't take a hit on your safety rating or your I rating, and it's all for fun, and there's a lot of shenanigans that go on, so I'll try to see if I can work on something throughout uh, the end of the week and um, uh, the beginning of uh, next week and try to see if I can maybe stream some races and, and see um, uh, or if you guys can see the shenanigans that go on on iRacing for uh, the week 13. Yep, um, we'll uh, go and look at all that. Hopefully, uh, Josh will be able to get his Twitch going and other streams with uh, the iRacing and other sim games that uh, you're on there. Um, thank you, as always, for um, going and being a, a great sidekick and uh, providing your perspective Uh I'm on Twitter at Philip G. Matthew. Our show is at Grip Strip Pod on Twitter. Um, we are on um, WordPress at philipgmatthew.com. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can um, find us on Stitcher. Um, go back here. Check that. Um we're on uh, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, um, and others to be determined. Uh, still waiting on confirmations on that. And uh, I'm writing again, hopefully here for website. We'll have more details on that in the following week. And, um, yeah, we'll get the show out there hopefully before Thursday night. Uh, hopefully by Thursday uh, morning so that people can listen to it. And uh, we will be back here next week discussing everything that took place and what should be going on the following week uh, in the world of motorsports here on the Grip Trip Podcast. So for Josh, I'm Phil. Uh, good night. God bless. Good day, whatever. Um, stay safe. Uh, wear a mask. Uh, social distance. Do your thing and uh, take care of one another.
All right.